0: The game's all about. All of a sudden, you feel like you can't miss.
1: i just it up You couldn't make that if you tried that again. Absolutely. Welcome to Buckets, the fantasy basketball podcast on the Action Network, sponsored by Prize Picks. It's your boy, Dan Titus, here with my guy, Adam Koffler. What's good, bro? Officially one day away from the NBA season, man. Super hype. What's good with you?
0: One more sleep, man. Can't wait. 82-game regular season, and uh, I can't wait to get started, man. The NBA, the NBA preseason just wrapped up. So we're going to give you some thoughts on some
1: of the things that we're looking forward to as the season begins. Some matchup battles, some rotation questions. The the draft season's pretty much wrapped up now. But if there's some guys that you maybe float on your waiver wires you may want to target, we're going to, we're going to drop some names for you guys to keep a lookout for them. So let's not waste any time, man. Let's get into the conversation here. We're not going to focus on the Utah Jazz, Atlanta Hawks, Milwaukee Bucks. We already know who those players are same place occupy the starting five and the benches are generally the same. So let's start off with the Memphis Grizzlies, Jaron Jackson, Jr. And last year, he couldn't stay out of foul trouble. But tell me what you've seen from him and why you like his prospects heading into the season.
0: Yeah, so, so Jaron Jackson, for his career, is averaging 3.9 personal fouls per game. In 2019-20, he averaged a career high 4.1 per game. And because of that, he just can't stay on the floor. He's averaging like 28, 29 minutes per game. And it's suppressed his fantasy value a little bit. I mean, he's a guy who doesn't turn the ball over, gets you the defensive stats, rebounds. Rebounds aren't great, but he's been playing next to Jonas Valanciunas for his career, who's now gone. Bringing Steven Adams there, I think I think Jaron Jackson's got a little bit more a uh, little bit more upside playing alongside Adams than he had Valanciunas shoots the three ball really well. We're talking about like think about a guy like Mo Bamba, but then think about a guy who could play possibly 32 minutes a game. Couple couple less rebounds, of course, but I think Jaron Jackson's got potential to be a top 30 guy this season if he can stay out of foul trouble.
1: Yeah, I've been really impressed with JJJ this preseason. I'm officially on the hype train. He's been getting around seven rebounds per game, which is an increase from five, you know, even four uh, in years prior. So if he can keep those turnovers low, stay out of foul trouble and we get those usual blocks plus the threes. I mean, he tied his career high on Friday with seven three-pointers. Fantasy stud, man. And then Dylan Brooks, we know that he's going to be missing some time here. But we have seen De'Anthony Melton and Desmond Bain kind of go in and out of the lineup, as well as Kyle Anderson who do you think is going to be starting fifth man in this, in this rotation? Would it be Bain? Would it be D'Anthony Melton or Kyle Anderson?
0: It's interesting because Kyle Anderson started, was a starter last season for the majority of the season, and we saw Desmond Bain enter the starting lineup towards the end of the season, and D'Anthony Melton was always coming off the bench. And Melton was always the guy with the highest fantasy value Uh, In terms of his upside, only really played 19 minutes a game, something like that. But every time he played, he was always, you know, a couple steals, few threes, uh, rarely turnover, which is impressive for a guy shooting threes against steals. So we've seen Melton and Bain in and out of the starting lineup in the preseason. With Dylan Brooks out, it's going to be really interesting to see who uh, the Grizzlies go with uh, at the, the final starting position. Uh, Because if it's Melton and he's playing 30 minutes a game, like the sky's the limit for him. Like I could see him finishing higher ranked on a per game basis than John Morant in nine category leagues this season. Oh, our first hot take of the season. I think it's going to be more
1: matchup based, right? Because that three guard front with Morant, Bain and Melton is certainly small, but like they're also very effective. We saw them on Friday. They were down 10 with the Bulls and, you know, they took out Kyle Anderson. Next thing you know, they go on this run. And this team is just bombing threes. 39.2 three-point attempts compared to only 31.3 the previous years. So I think that they learned something that Utah series that they gotta have shooters on the floor uh to keep up in this league. And I I'm I'm seeing the upside in in D'Anthony Melton for sure. Um and I wouldn't be surprised if Slow-Mo kind of fell into like a six-man type role, because he's already admitted uh to the media that he's comfortable in any role that he's provided. So don't be surprised if we see a D'Anthony Melton breakout out here and he lands into that starting lineup. Worst case, he's still going to see close to 30 minutes off the bench. So, yeah, let's move on to the Bulls. The Bulls look great in the preseason. What do you like out of Zach Levine playing alongside DeMar DeRozan and Lonzo Ball?
0: Yeah, you would think, you would think playing next to a guy like Lonzo Ball and even DeMar DeRozan, right, who averaged a career high in assists with San Antonio Spurs last season. Those are two high assist, you know, ball handling, ball dominant guys. Like, there's no way Zach Levine... Uh, who didn't play next to those guys last season was playing against Kobe White, you know, just a shot taker last season. You figure Levine's assist numbers are going to come down a bit. The scoring could also come down a bit playing next to DeRozan and Vucevic. So while I think Levine is still a great player, um, you know, f- average 50% from the field, uh, great free throw percentage, lots of three pointers. Yeah. You have to think that some of those numbers are going to come down a little bit. He's going to have those spike games, but DeMar DeRozan's no slouch and Lonzo Ball is going to rack up the assist. So, you know, don't, don't be surprised if Zach Levine's numbers don't come uh, close to what he had last season. If
1: We look at the sample size of the four games that he played in the preseason uh, per 36, he's looking at 26, four and four. So the thing that really I like about Zach Levine or why I'm still appealed to why I would still take him is because of his efficiency. He shot 52% in the preseason and this is coming off of last season of shooting 50% too. So you know, with that coupled with his bombing away from threes, which is not going to go away, it's really just the turnovers that hurts him and that that potential decrease in assists. So if you can live with that, if you're punting a couple of different categories, Zach mean is still one of the top guards in the league.
0: And you said, you said, you said 26, four and four, you know who else went 26, four and four last season. It was Devin Booker. Now Levine. Levine averaged a few more three pointers per game, but generally speaking, they both don't help you that much on the defensive end. And guess, guess what? Devin Booker finished last season on a per game basis. It was in the seventies. Yep. So, if, if Levine's assist numbers do come down a little bit and the threes maybe come down a little bit, you know, because the scoring might drop a little bit, um, we could be looking at a guy who doesn't live up to his ADP this season.
1: Yeah, I kind of feel the same way. That seems like a stat line that Donovan Mitchell would also put up.
0: Yeah, so um, Donovan Mitchell doesn't shoot good. Right. Yeah, exactly.
1: You lose it on the efficiency. Right. But one dude out of that three, I know we were mainly talking about Levine, but I've been really impressed with Alonzo Ball. He's been a menace on defense. Two and a half steals, 1.8 blocks, averaging 10, 5, and 5. But if you're looking for those cheap assists, Steals and blocks potentially like I think Lonzo ball really fits in really well with this Bulls lineup way better than he did with the Pelicans last season. And he, we already seen his improved three point shot. So he still is giving you a little something there. If you can handle those low field goal percentage and, and free throws. Let's talk about the six man of the Bulls, or at least coming into the six man, of the Bulls, Alex Caruso. Now you think that this guy is similar to TJ McConnell. And I really feel you on that. So elaborate on that a little bit more. We can't just sit here and agree, man.
0: <laughs> like, I know it sucks, like, got- <laughs> but I, I looked it up
1: and I'm like, "Fuck, that's like a really good comparison." Yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> it's I like mean, perfect. Like, it's a small it, sample size, but it's, it's perfect. A, it's a small sample size, but he looks to be the first or second guy off the bench in Chicago. He's going to come in and hustle. He's going to get the steals. He's going to get some three pointers. He's also going to like, you know, bang on someone every now and again, unlike TJ McConnell, but these are like high energy guys that are going to get you the steals. Some of the threes probably shoot with, with high efficiency. And if he's going to come off the bench and play 25 minutes, like he could be exactly like TJ McConnell is for the Pacers. The only threat to his competition as a
1: six man would probably be like a Patrick Williams or Kobe White, but Kobe White's not returning anytime soon. You know, he's recovering from a shoulder surgery and he's still not even running on the court. So I think this is going to be a nice spot for Alex Caruso to pick up some, as you said, like 20, 23, 25 minutes a game um, and actually provide some value there for fantasy managers. So let's kick it to Washington. Do you foresee Daniel Gafford playing up to 25 minutes per game? And if he does, what are you expecting from him uh, stat line wise?
0: I know, Tom, I know Thomas Bryant's not coming back anytime in the very near future. I think we're looking at more of a, you know, holiday timeframe for Thomas Bryant. Uh, so that would be, you know, around Christmas or so, and maybe they hold him out till the new year. Daniel Gafford's going to have this golden opportunity to just like completely smash early in the season. Like we're talking about possibly 15 points, 12 rebounds, two to three blocks a game. Like right there, we're talking about Miles Turner with more rebounds and probably the same number of blocks. And people are drafting Miles Turner in the third, fourth, and fifth round. And Daniel Gafford's not going until like 80, 90, or 100 in a lot of leagues. So there's the potential that even when Thomas Bryant comes back, they limit his minutes, Daniel Gafford has cemented himself as the starter there. And his upside from what we saw, we saw it last season, uh, down the stretch, when he got, you know, minutes in the 20s, he would always smash. And now Thomas Bryant's hurt. Robin Lopez is no longer there stealing minutes. It's Montrezl Harrell, totally different player, coming off the bench there in Washington. So Gafford's got this golden opportunity early in the season that I really think fantasy managers need to capitalize on.
1: I, I think you're, you're spot on with the the expectation that he could smash in the first half, like after Turner's tearing his ACL last January, you can't expect Thomas Bryant to just jump in there and and compete for minutes. There's going to be some ramp up period. So, I think he, this is going to be his spot to lose. And I love him as a late round big. I have him in the mid nineties in my latest rankings. And, you know, I think Gafford could certainly get to that. I don't know about 15 rebounds. I think is per 36 in the preseason and four games was 16 and 13, but that's still really solid. And it's really the blocks that I love, man, 3.7 and, and per 36, man, you can't get that everywhere. So um, that could be a late round big for anyone that tries to pay up for some other guards or other positions and, and misses out on some of the more elite bigs. Um, um, so let's head to New York. Ooh, this one's a good one because this guy was like your your dude last year. You were screaming from the mountaintops about Julius Randle and why he was going to smash. But the real appeal about Julius Randle last year was the fact that he was averaging 6.1 assists. But we've seen with Kemba Walker there, that assist number has dropped. So give me your thoughts on Julius Randle and what you think you're going to be looking at in terms of like his value this season compared to last season.
0: Yeah, he looks like a certified stud, right? On on Friday, he hit the game winner. Against uh, I forget who they were playing. It was the the Bulls, maybe, or Toronto. I can't remember. But he hit the game winner uh, late in the game there. And he looks like the go-to guy for the Knicks. He's going to score a lot of points. But playing alongside Campbell Walker has driven his assist numbers down the preseason. Very small sample size, just two games. But he's only averaging two assists per game in those two games. Because Kemba is just going to handle the ball more than Julius Randle is. And in the one game that that Kemba Walker didn't play, Julius Randle had five assists, which is closer to that 6.1 career high he had last season. Definitely expect those assist numbers to drop, which is going to drop his appeal in nine cat leagues. Um, I've got him currently ranked around. I got him ranked at 42. I think that's probably appropriate. I think he finished just higher than that last season. So I'm expecting a little bit of a a dip this season. But, you know, I've seen people take him in the second round and I just can't get there with Julius Randle.
1: Yeah, I currently have him at 39. So we're not too far off there. But yeah, like I I totally agree with you man. Like with Walker on the court, yeah, it's small sample size, but his usage rate last season was 29, dipped to 22 with Walker on the court in limited time, 16 10 with two two dimes in uh, per 36 split. So, I'm not really feeling it man. It almost makes me want to move it down a little bit more beyond 39 if that's going to be the norm, but I totally agree with you in terms of like scoring and rebounding. Julius Randle shouldn't have much regression there. Talk about the Houston Rockets a bit first. I want to talk about Kevin Porter Jr. Do you think that he can improve his field goal percentage? Only thirty five point four percent in the in the preseason, and he wasn't very good last year either. Even though we know he had these monster games of like fifty points, ten dimes.
0: Yeah, he he, he concerns me in a in a, in a nine cat head to head league uh, much more. Uh, much rather uh, roster him in a points league where I don't care about field goal percentage because he's shot thirty five percent in the preseason. That's horrendous on the number of shots that he takes. So if you're interested in punting the field goal percentage category, right? If you want to take guys like Trey Fred Young, Van, yeah, Trey Young, Fred Van Vliet, uh, you know, De'Aaron Fox, like guys like that. If that's your strategy, by all means, Kevin Porter Jr. is a decent guy to have on your squad. But he's not gonna he's not gonna put up near the scoring numbers that he did last season with Jalen Green there, Christian Wood healthy. Uh, second year, Jay Sean Tate, they, they've got, they've got more dudes than they had last season. He got his opportunity when they were very shorthanded last season as well. Um, so it, while I like Kevin Porter Jr., I like the story. He was pretty much like gone for free from the Cavaliers. Uh, I'm just not really that interested in nine cat leagues. I dig it. So we've seen Alferin
1: Singun really emerge here as a rookie and getting minutes over Daniel Tice alongside Christian Wood. Do you think that that's something that's going to stick Um, Because based on his play, man, this dude's been super valuable and just balling out of his mind, just for perspective, per 36 with Wood in the lineup, 21 points, 12 boards, five dimes, a lot of turnovers, 5.6, but 3.3 blocks, 27% usage.
0: Ugh, give me that. Love it, man. The only thing going against him is the fact that he's a rookie and Daniel Tice was brought over to be the starting five next to Christian Wood to play the four. But being as how we saw... Uh, Shangoon play alongside Christian Wood in the preseason when they started together, they looked really good and he looks like a really nice piece in Houston as a starter playing alongside Jalen green, Kevin Porter jr. He really could pass the ball for a big and it just, his, his basketball IQ is, is through the roof. So he's looking like a steal where he was drafted um, in the first round with uh, for the Rockets this season. So if, if he gets that, if he gets that start and Steven Silas decides to go that direction and just continue the youth movement in Houston, He's going to smash his ADP as well. Yeah, I think
1: Steven Silas is going to be forced to play him eventually. Even even if he doesn't, this is one of those players that I think you need to be eyeing midseason once the Houston Rockets are officially in tank mode when they can afford to play those rookies and see what they really have. Um, Because I think that this is going to be a guy that can put up some monster numbers um, despite who he's playing with in the front court. So really exciting rookie there. Um, So let's kick it to also the San Antonio Spurs here. So DeMar DeRozan's gone. Now it's the DeJounte Murray, Derek White, and Keldon Johnson show. So tell me more about them and, and what you think that they could do this season. Like, I know Derek White was one of your top sleepers this year, but what do you expect him from a production standpoint?
0: He's a top sleeper because Derek White is, for some reason, ranked in, like, the 60s or 70s, whereas DeJounte Murray uh, seemingly comes in at, like, 30 or 40 for a lot of people. So that's why I consider Derek, Derek White a sleeper. But I think those two guys could could finish similarly this season. Obviously, Dejounte Murray's the the bigger guard and comes down with some of those some of those rebounds and those rebound numbers we saw last season, uh, about uh, five or six per game. Uh, also with five or six assists per game. Expect his scoring to go up in the preseason. We've seen him you know, pretty much like get buckets. He's been shooting fifty six percent from the floor and averaging over twenty points a game per thirty six minutes. Um, so I really like I really like DeJounte Murray this season as a top 35-ish guy. And then Derek White brings the defensive stats um, along with his scoring and some of those assist numbers. As long as he can keep his field goal percentage up a little bit. He didn't shoot very well last season, but that was a career low. So I'm, I'm, I'm very in on both those guys with DeMar DeRozan's uh, usage out of the picture and no more LaMarcus Aldridge. It's a completely different team, and they're just going to focus in on those two guys to lead the squad. Um, and, and I'm, I'm expecting big things out of those guys, uh, in fantasy basketball.
1: Yeah, Derek White, the thing that concerns me is that field goal percentage. He definitely struggled in the preseason and that seemed to carry over a, a little bit from uh, from what we saw last year. But, you know, I think that there's still a huge opportunity for him to soak up some usage here. Looking at DeJounte Murray, though, I, I definitely like him. I had him last year on my fantasy squad. I think he's going to see a huge jump in terms of points. Not a huge jump, but definitely more. Probably will average a career high in points. And uh, I looked at basketball reference. They have not projected at 17, 8, and 6 this year to some defensive metrics. But yeah, I think that that's the differentiator for Derek White is really going to be his defensive metrics with his three ball. Um, and hopefully he can bring up that efficiency because then he'll be fantasy gold. So let's talk about the other, the the only big man that's probably worth rostering for the Spurs, and that is Jakob Purdle. Um, uh, what do we think about him and possibly being go bear light? It's it's a bit of a hot take, but uh to call him the defensive player of the year, but we're talking about fantasy here. Yeah, fantasy. we're talking about fantasy. exactly fantasy. we're talking
0: about fantasy. And this yeah. this guy put up some pretty damn good numbers down the stretch last season when Aldridge uh put in his early retirement. We saw the guy uh on a pretty regular basis, average like 15 and 10, um, got a couple blocks. Like that's what that's what Rudy Gobert does. Like the, Rudy Gobert is gonna get you that field goal percent, very high field goal percentage in the 60-60 percent range. He might get two or three more rebounds per game than, than, uh, than Pirtle. But I like both those guys and kind of, they're kind of the same uh, in the same mold and you got to spend a second round pick late second round pick ish to get Gobert. We're talking about, you know, 80, 90 or hundred for Jakob pertle in a lot of instances, just for reference, I have Pirtle, ranked at 62 just under Jonas Valanciunas and I feel really good about it
1: and um so the other thing that was kind of a surprise to me about Purtle and also Devin Eubanks was that they both were passing a lot um in the preseason so I believe Purtle averaged 2.8 assists which is also like a surprise like I have a big man uh three assists so I'm wondering if that will continue as well so that's something I'm going to be watching um, I doubt that Purtle will likely be drafted on most teams, but if he gets those sneaky three assists, man, that, that only increases his value beyond a, a go bear light.
0: And you know what? It actually might, because we saw DeMar DeRozan average six point one assists, a career high six point one assists per game last season. That's now gone. It's not really replaced by anybody. Like they brought in like Thad Young, Lonnie Walker's on an assist guy, Keldon Johnson's on an assist guy. So so right. maybe maybe Pirtle does get does pick up a couple assists per game. Definitely something to watch.
1: Another something to watch this rookie coming out of Oklahoma City, Josh Giddy, the Australian, super young. I don't think anybody was surprised that he was a lottery pick and where he got picked seemed like the perfect rebuild scenario for the Thunder. But I'm shocked at how good he's looked in the preseason. So give me your thoughts on him. Do you think he's real? Is this something you someone you've moved up your draft boards and that you're targeting in in drafts?
0: Yeah, no doubt, man. I was going to try to do an Australian accent for this for this. <laughs> please, talk, please, do not. Gonna, please do not. Yeah, I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to hold that the, clo- to the, the, closest,
1: the closest we're getting to Australia is probably Outback Steakhouse. Let's be real here.
0: Their Kookaburra wings are fire, by the way. Fire, fire, but, <laughs> fire. But in, but in three preseason games, 30 minutes a game, 13 and a half points, seven boards, five assists, 52 percent shooting from the field with a couple three pointers as well. Like this guy can do it all. He's gonna start. Oklahoma City needs that firepower um, alongside Shea Gilders Alexander. So expect him to start. I'm not sure he can he's gonna, you know, stay um with that stat line that he had in the preseason, but he's a guy that I'm looking to roster uh in most of my leagues. If if I can reach a little bit towards the end of my draft to get Josh Giddy, I'm gonna go ahead and do that.
1: Yeah, I think it's worth the reach, man. Very low risk here outside of like his low free throw percentage in the preseason, but he didn't get a ton of volume. So I wouldn't be worried about that. Turnovers, but that's to be expected by anybody that's going to be holding the ball as much as he is. But really encouraged by his 29 minutes per game average in the preseason. I, I think we're going to see this young Thunder team really expose a lot of their rookie talent or their young talent here. So not going to be surprised if he can still get those minutes, which is really important uh for anybody you're trying to roster. 30 minutes, like I'll take that all day. So Let's go to the Nuggets, man. This is probably a pretty easy question to answer, but will Michael Porter Jr. continue to go ballistic with Jamal Murray out?
0: Yes, he's gonna be he's gonna be a top fifteen guy. I see him ranked a lot of times at like thirty. I don't know what people are talking about. Maybe it's the 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 fact that he's not vaccinated, but I, that I don't that doesn't bother me at all. There's no you know restrictions playing in Denver, and he can play in his road games in Brooklyn. Um, until he gets COVID. I'm not worried that he's going to miss games. He, he has battled nagging injuries uh, throughout his uh, very short career. But I mean, we saw some, we saw some crazy things from him last season when Jamal Murray was out. Um, he, he, he's kind of like a Chris Stapps Porzingis type, but I think he's got even more upside and Chris Stapps Porzingis is a guy who finished in the top 20 on a per game basis the last few seasons. So I, I definitely think with Jamal Murray out of the picture uh, Michael Porter Jr. is going to soak up a lot of that usage. And if he can kind of up those defensive stats a little bit, we talk about a top 15 guys this season. He's like an ideal punt assists and turnovers
1: guy. Um, no doubt. And so, I mean, he, he put up 27 in only 24 minutes across three games with a 30% usage rate in the preseason. This dude's going to go off not even...